to give you an illustration that I use in my life. I read a book. Uh, I've told you guys this story before, a book that has stuck with me for years from the time when um, Chip Kelly was the coach of the, of the Oregon Ducks. And um, he, had a, he read a book, and there was a book that he referenced a ton a lot when he was the coach, and it was Water the Bamboo. And, uh, and this morning we're talking about parables, and this is a good kind of a little parable, um, but more of an illustration. And so this book, Water the Bamboo by Greg Bell, he talks in it, he's talking about doing small things over a long period of time and how it brings great benefit. And in Water the Bamboo, he's talking about great timber bamboo. And this thing about great timber bamboo is that when you plant it, it begins to take root up to 100 yards in every direction it's taking root. But you don't see that. And it takes so long to grow that root system that it's up to three years before it breaks the ground. And so the person who is farming this great timber bamboo has to go out every day and water the dirt and take care of this dirt. And after a year looking at it, going, surely there will be something. There, this surely is the person that hangs out with us when we're, when we're gardening. Surely there will be something coming out of the dirt. And Shirley's like, there's not. It's been a year. And then we go, okay, well, we'll come back after two years. And we go, surely there will be something after two years. And there is nothing after two years. And maybe after three years, there will be something. And there's still nothing. But then the cool thing about giant timber bamboo is that once it breaks the surface, it grows 90 feet in 60 days, a foot and a half a day. And I love that. I love that reality because to me, that is what spiritually sowing looks like. You will sow into areas where you will look and go, I'm gonna continue to do this thing that I know that Jesus is asking me to do. I'm gonna continue to sow into the spiritual disciplines. I'm gonna continue to pour into this place even when I don't see anything happening because I know in the spiritual realm that God is concerned much more with the root system of my life than anything else. And so I am pouring water onto this plot of land believing that there is a root system that is going out out, 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 and in due season, say it with me, in due season, if anybody could find due season on their dang calendars, let me know when it is, because I was looking for it, and I was like, when is, when is due season? I would like for due season to show up, but in due season, you will reap a reward. You will experience fruitfulness. All you have to do is keep watering the ground seeding and watering the ground. Water the bamboo, water the bamboo. What are you doing in your life? What are you doing in your marriage? What are you doing in your, uh, in your Bible time, in your study time, in your prayer life, in your fasting life? What are you doing in any area of your life right now that you are not looking for a harvest for except maybe two years, three years, five years down the road? And you're like uh, two minutes, three minutes, five minutes? We're all about like, hey, let's go, let's go. We want that quick fruitfulness. But in God's economy, we are watering the bamboo. And we're gonna go out there and we're gonna say, not yet, not yet, not yet, not yet. But when it breaks surface, a foot and a half a day, just massive growth. And that's what I want us to see in our life. But when you do the simple things, do the simple things, even when life or your flesh opposes them or it is seemingly not working, in due season, you will reap a harvest. What are the simple things? Let's learn and follow the way of Jesus together. How? 
I believe the simple things are following the way of Jesus. And we need to learn the way of Jesus together. And how are we gonna do that? We're gonna do that by learning what Jesus taught. And that's what our next series is about, is the parables of Jesus. This is the problem. Learning what Jesus taught isn't quite as simple as it sounds because Jesus always taught in riddles. Just kidding, they're not riddles, parables. Matthew 13, Jesus said, all these things, or it said, all these things Jesus spoke to the multitude in parables. And without a parable, he did not speak to them that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet saying, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things kept secret from the foundation of the world. And so Jesus is inviting us to learn his way. We wanna learn his way together. And the way we're gonna do that is by studying his teaching and studying his parables. But we know parables can be extremely confusing. So my, um, my assignment to you today was to give you an introduction to our series on parables. So if you could all just take a little comma and a pause, we are now going to transition to a little bit of a teaching opportunity. Okay, so we cleaned up our loose ends from Galatians 6, right? Everybody's feeling good. When I say you reap what you sow, everyone goes, yes, that is good news. That is not shame. That is good news. You reap what you sow in due season. Okay, but now I want to talk to you about this next series that we're going into. Because doing the small things is what? Is following the way of Jesus. The way that we learn about Jesus is by learning his teachings. The way that we learn his teachings is by figuring out what the heck he was talking about in these parables that people are going to be teaching to us in the weeks ahead. So why are parables challenging to us? Think about idioms that exist in our culture. The phrases that, uh, of speech that we use that are so unique to us. Phrases like, we've got to break the ice. We have to bite the bullet. Um, we've gotta, I've got to wrap my head around something. So these are idioms that we use, but within our culture, we go, oh yeah, that makes total sense. If I say I got to break the ice, you know exactly what I'm saying. If I'm like, hold on, I got to wrap my head around that. You're not thinking that I'm going to go into the other room and literally try to wrap my head around it. You know what I'm talking about. But these are idioms that are very culturally um, that fit within cultures, that fit within ways that we communicate. And so it goes beyond, these have meanings beyond their literal translations, and that can cause confusion for those that are outside our context. If someone were outside our context and they heard me say, I've got to bite the bullet, they'd be like, whoa, whoa, don't, what are you doing, man? You don't need to bite any bullets. What's happening here? Parables are like idioms in this way. To understand them correctly, you must know, we must know that parables are like one long analogy with some aspects of the parable meant to be representative of the kingdom of God and some aspects of Jesus' parables are meant to be um, con contrasted with the kingdom of God. So he's telling these stories and he's saying, I want this story to be representative of the kingdom of God and then he's gonna tell another story, the very next story it could be, and I want this story to contrast with the kingdom of God. And so that can be very confusing because then we're dealing with customary differences, we're dealing with cultural differences, and then we're dealing with even story to story. Even though we're saying Jesus's parables are not one-offs, they're one large analogy that are talking about the kingdom of God. He might be comparing us, using a story to compare it to the kingdom, and the next story he might be contrasting it to the kingdom. And if I just read them all as comparisons, I am going to get confused. 
Where are we at? Oh, yeah, okay. John's like, hey, move it along. Okay, so Jesus is, I'm going to read this to you. Context matters. Jesus' primary audience was first century Jewish, Jewish peasants living in and around the region of Galilee. Jesus used his audience's experience as part of his teaching. Any first century Jewish peasant would have lived under the rule of landowners, kings, and dignitaries that were often nasty, unjust, and violent. As such, Jesus uses these kings and rulers as part of his teaching because they were aspects of life his audience was very familiar with. It's also important to note that Jesus often exaggerates, when he's telling these stories, that Jesus often exaggerates bad behavior. The parables are meant to be easy to remember and easy for his audience to interact with and easy then down through the generations for us to interact with. A good rule of thumb, this is Gregory Boyd who says this, a good rule of thumb is what is expected when he's telling a parable, what is expected is not intended as a reflection on God and what is unexpected is intended to reflect the character of God. He's using a change, a curveball, if you will, when he's saying, oh, the comparing and the contrasting, if what happens in the story or with the ruler or with the king or with the person in the story, when, it, when what happens is expected, that is not anything that is not a reflection on God, but when something that is the culture listening to it would be like, whoa, that is, that, that is so unexpected. That is Jesus's way of pointing to the character of God or the characteristic of the kingdom that had arrived with him. Um, so the most common mistakes that contemporary readers make when trying to interpret parables is this, to make them simply one-off illustrative teaching devices with an easy moral takeaway. If we divide them all up and we just go, oh, I'm going to get this, this cool moral takeaway out of this story, neato, and I'm going to live with this and take it and, and run with it. As opposed to understanding that these are deeply rooted in the kingdom of God. It's an interconnected illustration that Jesus is continuing to hit on the exact same thing over and over and over is that the kingdom has come and this is the king and this is what the kingdom looks like. And he's telling these stories to demonstrate that. So the one mistake that people make is they look at them as one-off illustrative teaching devices. The second mistake that they make is that they make them about getting into heaven rather than kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We'll talk about that in just a minute. If we have time, we'll talk about that when we go into the types of soil. People have used the types of soil parable too often to talk about getting into heaven. If you, if you don't have this fruitfulness, you're not gonna make it into heaven. He's not talking about making it into heaven. He's talking about kingdom come, will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the second mistake we make is that we make parables about making it into heaven rather than his kingdom coming. And the third thing that we do often is that we confuse the king or the ruler in the parable with God. Anytime that there's a king or a ruler in a parable, it's easy for us in our Western culture to go, oh, that must be the good guy or that must be representative of God or that must be representative of Jesus. That's not the case. Often in the parables, the, the ruler, the king, whatever it is, is actually there to contrast between Jesus's way and the earth way. So Jesus was upending human expectation and fulfilling his purposes for a new creation and a new community in which he was king. He was telling the story of what it looked like now that he is king. He was teaching them the way through subversive and inclusive stories of an upside down kingdom. 
subversive stories. Let's talk about those for just a minute. These were not cute little stories. They were challenging and toppling a religious and worldly system in a way that would ultimately lead to his death. He couldn't just come out and speak plainly. There had to be some kind of effort on Jesus's part to trust the timing of an unfolding revelation that wouldn't get him killed two days into his ministry, knowing that there's an unfolding timing and a reality. So these subversive stories, he is trying to start a revolt without starting a riot. He's trying to start a revolution, but he's not trying to make it happen so quickly that there will not be opportunity for the fullness of God's plans to be made known and seen. So if he had said everything plainly and openly as he wanted to, it would have been way too much, way too soon for people to understand. Jesus, so I want to read this to you from N.T. Wright. Jesus didn't tell parables to provide friendly little illustrations of abstract theology. Remember, subversive stories. Jesus didn't tell parables to provide friendly little illustrations of abstract theology. He told parables because what he was doing was so different, so explosive, and so dangerous that the only way he could talk about it was to use stories. Next slide. The parables, in fact, are told as kingdom explanations for Jesus' kingdom actions. They are saying, don't be surprised, but this is what it looks like when God's in charge. They are not abstract teaching. And indeed, if we approach them like that, we, don't, we won't understand them at all. That is N.T. Wright, New Testament scholar. I think that he just put that into such eloquent terms. And I wanted to share that with you as we're talking about these subversive stories that Jesus is telling. So there was this element of revelation. There was this element of timing in Jesus's teaching. And so many of his parables would only make sense through and after the cross and after the resurrection. This is one area of biblical interpretation where we actually have a leg up on those who were listening to him tell the stories at that time is because we get to look back on what Jesus was teaching through the throne, through the, through the outpouring of the spirit, through the throne, through the resurrection and through the cross. And so what Jesus was teaching makes much more sense to us as we are looking back even though they have the cultural understanding, what I'm saying is the spiritual understanding makes more sense to us as we look back through the completed work of Jesus. So there was a subversive tone to what Jesus was doing that would only make sense once we can see it through the lens of the cross and the resurrection and the upper room and the throne. These weren't just subversive stories, these were inclusive stories. So Jesus' teaching, was Jesus' teaching, his parables, they were not for the religious, but for those the religious excluded. So using common illustrations that Jesus was using, he shared with them, um, sorry, of people who shared this oppressive way that they were living in. An evil king made sense to them. An oppressive ruler made sense to them. A lost coin made sense to someone who was poor. They would, des they would desire to find that lost coin. So this is for common people. Who is it that we see all throughout the Gospels drawing near to Jesus as he shares the secrets of the kingdom over a meal or in a small group or on a hillside teaching to those that have come out from the city to listen to Jesus? Who does Jesus include in his closest circle of friends? Over and over we see in scripture that it is the lowest of the low, that it is the outsider, that it is the tax collectors, it is the sinners, it is those that today might be seen as unfit. 
And they definitely were by the religious rulers of the time. And so we have this story, these stories that Jesus is using in cultural ways and in the ways that he's unpacking these stories that are including those that the religious were leaving out. And so he was pulling people in through the art of story. The good news is this, that the humble and the meek will be exalted while the arrogant and the oppressors will be brought low. That is what the parables are teaching us. Those who know deep trouble and distress will be met with God's mercy and with God's comfort over and over. This is what they are being told. So it is subversive, it is inclusive, but it is also an upside down kingdom that Jesus is telling us stories of. And the example of the Good Samaritan, it's not about just, oh, it's a random act of kindness. It's so nice to be, to be great to your neighbor. But this parable centers on enemy love. And for them and for us, this is not be nice to people around you. This is live in a way where you love and serve your enemies. That is such a contrary thinking, contrary kingdom, absolutely radical, radical then and radical now. And when we take that and we go, be nice to people around you, there's your moral of the story. We miss the revolutionary tactic of Jesus that said, in my kingdom, our enemies, those who beat us and despise us and steal from us and call us name and ostracize us and turn their back on us are the ones that we are called to love selflessly and to love generously. This is a radical concept of an upside down kingdom that Jesus came to reveal. This is the way of Jesus. This is what he was seeding. And we know now that it would take root extremely slowly, but it would grow into a kingdom that has covered the entire earth and that we get to be a part of it today. Luke 8, as we wind down here, I want to look at one parable. And this is the parable of the soils, the four soils. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed and he was scattering, as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. And here's the thing about the parables. And we're saying, okay, we want to do the simple things well. To be fruitful in the spirit, we wanna do simple things well. What is the simple thing? Follow the way of Jesus. How do we know the way of Jesus? We look at Jesus' teachings. How do we understand Jesus' teachings? By understanding his parables. The problem with that is that I think Jesus only explained like two of them. (laughs) Thankfully, since I got to go first, I chose one that Jesus um, explained. (laughs) Good luck, Drew. It's the only one that Jesus explained, and so I'm going to explain it to you what he meant. Because I'm that brilliant. So, you're welcome. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God have been given to you. But the others I speak into, but to others I speak in parables, so that though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. So he goes on to tell them the meaning of the four types of soil. 
in Luke and in the other Gospels. This is four basic response that people have to the truths of the kingdom or the word of God or the truth of Jesus. Some simply do not understand it at all and it doesn't bear fruit. Some hear and understand it and are initially filled with joy, but troubles and trials of this world cause them to turn away and forget what they learned. A third group also responds with joy and even begin to make changes and progress in their lives based on what they heard. But the cares and the pleasures of this world lure them away from the truth of the kingdom and they leave it behind eventually. And the fourth and the final group, they hear this truth. They respond to the truth and they continue in the truth, resulting in a great harvest. Now, as I said before, when people confuse the fact that the kingdom of heaven, or when they confuse the kingdom of heaven is not the same as going to heaven, this four soils parable gets pretty intense really fast. Like, oh man, you had the seed of the gospel, it landed on your life, it grew up, withered away, blew away, have fun in hell. This is not what we're talking about. Gee, come on, guys, that's funny. I'm making a joke. You're also, you know, you're like, man. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Band-aid, just tear it off. That's not what it's saying. Um, so we can get super intense about this parable, thinking we somehow in reading that, taking it out of context, reading meaning into it, we go, oh, he's talking about, clearly talking about eternal destination heaven. It's not what he's talking about. Again, kingdom on earth, not kingdom of heaven in the future. And so he's not saying that there's a bunch of people who are gonna hear the gospel, it's gonna rise up, it's gonna blow away, and they're doomed. And then there's gonna be people who come up and then they wanna go to the party, and they went to the party, and because they went to the party, the gospel withered away, and now they're doomed. Like, this is not what we're saying. He's saying there is an ongoing response in every one of us to the truths of the kingdom. And we are choosing in our responses whether we want to have soft-heartedness, soft soil to the gospel, to the good news, to the kingdom, or if we want to have hard-heartedness and not see the fruit of the truths of Jesus' teachings taking root in our lives. Right here, right now, today. Okay? Okay, good. Um, Okay, so it is about... Who, sorry, (laughs) this isn't Jesus telling us who will make it into heaven. It's rather teaching us how to be fruitful in the kingdom right now. So anyone can respond to the truths of the kingdom in any way, any of these four ways throughout their life. Jesus saw this occur with the Pharisees, the religious leaders who hated him. He saw it with the multitudes that followed him, the crowds that followed him, the disciples that said, we will give up our homes and our lives to follow you all the way down to those who stood with him at the cross at his death of saying, we are staying with you, Jesus. And the question in this parable that we are left to ponder, that Jesus taught us, is not, am I gonna make it to heaven? The question is, what kind of soil is my life for the truth of the kingdom of Jesus right now? And now we've gone full circle because we're back to what? Reaping and sowing. We're back to seeds. We're back to the condition of our hearts and our soil. The goal of following Jesus is to tend to the soil of our hearts, that hard, if it's hard, if it's rocky, if it's thorny soil that Jesus describes, that we would do our best to partner with Jesus to say, what do I need to do to this part of my heart, my mind, my life that has grown hardened to you? That we would sow for ourselves righteousness that we would till up the ground, the hard ground of our hearts, and that we would allow him to reign upon us and seed our hearts and see the kingdom coming to life in and through 
each one of us and through our church and through our families and our homes that we would produce a great harvest because of the condition of our hearts and the soil of our hearts that we would see a great harvest coming for the kingdom of God through our life. So that this, as we come back to full circle, this is the meaning of the parable. The seeds, the seed is the word of God, as Jesus said. And so to go back to John 15, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you will bear much fruit. This is what Jesus was teaching us. And when we read the word, we're not saying, uh, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the Bible. Right? We all, we all got that? The word of God. What is the word of God? The word of God is Jesus and it is testimony of who God is. And if we remain in that and if we allow that to remain in us, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, Jesus' teachings, Jesus' truths, Jesus' way, do the simple things over and over and over and over, trusting that if you keep watering that bamboo, doing the simple things of Jesus over and over and over and over and over, in due season, you will reap a great harvest in your life for the kingdom. You will bear much fruit. The simple things is following the way of Jesus. The way we learn about the way of Jesus is by understanding parables. So for these next few weeks, we're just going to be looking into these beautiful parables, these beautiful teachings of Jesus, and we're going to pray together as a church, as a body, as a family, and as individuals. Jesus, we want to know your way. We want to follow your way. We want to sow into the spiritual things by knowing what you're teaching us and obeying what you're teaching us. And so to do that, I'm excited for these next few weeks as we unpack these parables. You pray with me. That is our heart. As we step into these next few weeks as a body, as we go on this journey together, as we are trusting the beautiful promise that we reap what we sow, and we are choosing to sow the simple things of following you, following your heart, abiding in you, remaining in you, walking with you, obeying your teachings. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would rest on us, our minds and our hearts. You would rest on our times together individually and corporately, that as we open the word, as we are taught and as we learn these parables, that we wouldn't just be looking for really great little moral quick fixes and this and that, but we would be looking for transformative truths that demonstrate an absolutely upside-down kingdom, that we would say yes to following your way in the face of everything else that is telling it, do it your way, do it my way, do it the world's way, that in all of that we would say, no, we are doing this Jesus' way, knowing that as we hear his word and we allow it to go deep into the soft soil of our heart, that it would grow a great harvest. And so we say yes to that, Jesus. Thank you for this time. Thank you for every person here. Thank you for what you're doing in us together, what you're doing in us individually. We thank you that it does not in any way stop when we walk out these doors. In fact, there's a greater place for growth where there is conflict, where there is places we have to persevere. There's places where we have to walk in patience, where there's places where we have resistance. There's greater opportunity for growth of following your way and walking in your way as we stay close to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Thank you guys. We love you so much. Have a great Sunday. We'll see you soon.